Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The second hour of the Eric Erickson show. If you want to call in and be a part of the program, 877-973-7425. You can always get me on social media. Instagram's my favorite. It's where I do all my cooking pictures and the like. You can go to EW Erickson. Um, importantly, if you text the word show S H O W to the phone number three, three, seven, 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 you get links to the podcast for Google, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, get a link to the 24 seven live feed and get a link to my daily email where, you know, if you subscribed, um, to my Substack, you will get the daily show notes, uh, right when the show starts every day. Cause my show prep's done by then. And so I will send you links to all the stuff that's in the show that day. Uh, all, all the news articles that I'm talking about, they're in there, uh, but you got to subscribe. So text the word show to 33777. Now, I want to go off on a tangent because I want to be honest with you. Every day lately, it's kind of like back during the COVID days. I sit down and I think I've talked about this issue so much. And in the situation, for example, of... Ukraine, the story changes on a daily basis. And I want to spend a moment on that, but then I want to move into just some off the beaten path stuff, if you will. Just bear with me. Uh, first of all, I need to say this. Uh, this is my honest and, and genuine assessment, and I don't like saying this. It's not something I'm happy to admit or acknowledge. I wish it were otherwise, but I have this sneaking suspicion that things are actually going far better for the Russians in Ukraine than uh, social media would have you believe. I think Ukraine is winning the social media battle, but I don't know that Ukraine is winning the war. Now, it may, and I hope that it does. And there are positive signs for Ukraine. They've killed a number of top generals. They have destroyed a lot of Russian military hardware. The Russians have now deployed 100% of their forces that they dedicated to the war. Only about 90% are in use due to losses. They're already sending people home for the from the front, bringing others in. They have failed to completely hold Kharkiv. They have been pushed out of one of the suburbs there uh, by a counteroffensive by the Ukrainians. They can't get completely around Kiev, which means they can't block the supply lines into Kiev. They can't control the majority of the country there. They have not been able thus far to kill Vladimir uh, Zelensky, the president. They've tried and failed on multiple occasions. Things are not going great for the Russians. They're now asking, as I mentioned the first hour, uh, the Chinese for MREs, um, meals, and rockets, and other hardware. We've seen all the tanks and, and hardware broken out. We've seen the uh, Ukrainian farmers and their tractors hauling away equipment. Things are not going well there, but a lot of that stuff as well is social media. And there's a larger picture not on social media, and that is the Russians are the second largest, uh, most powerful, second most powerful army on planet Earth. And there is no exit ramp for Vladimir Putin. He's got to double down right now. And that tends to mean the aggression is going to get worse. And it tends to mean that this is only the second week of a war that Vladimir Putin has no intention of stopping if he can block the supply lines and get around to the south side of Kiev and block the Polish border. Suddenly you've gotten uh, Zelensky isolated and you've gotten the Ukrainians isolated and it'll be long and protracted and the Russians probably can't hold it. But I suspect things are actually going better for the Russians 
than what we hear on social media. Social media, there's a lot of disinformation on both sides. The Ukrainians have so many of us in the West sympathizing with them. We're more susceptible to their disinformation. We shouldn't pretend they don't commit disinformation. But also, we should understand that uh, the initial expectations of the Russians was far better than it turned out to be. And uh, they thought they could have a quick war, and it turns out they're, they may be very well-equipped, but they're not nearly as well-equipped as a lot of us expected. And things have not gone the direction they wanted. So there is hope for the Ukrainians. I just think we should be less optimistic about the position the Ukrainians are in, all things being equal. That being said, I hope they win. Do not root for the Russians. You shouldn't root for the Russians. You can say we shouldn't be involved, and that's fine. But rooting for Vladimir Putin, he's the bad guy here. And there is a very clearly defined bad guy. Who cares, Madison Cawthorn, about uh, corruption in Ukraine or the like? They were not invading anyone. They were just existing. And we shouldn't fall for the pro-Putin spin. Now, I'm going to dramatically shift gears. I wanted I wanted to, to kind of get that out there. And I want to switch gears pretty dramatically here. I mean, you're going to be like, one does not, and I'm just admitting out of the gate, this does not have anything to do with any of the other. It does have a little bit to do with what I was talking about, uh, the foreign relations and how the Biden administration seems to be over complicating things, but others like to really simplify things. And and one of the, the trends that's out there now is there's a growing body of academic research And for the longest time, I thought it was in fringy places, but it's starting to crop up in mainstream scientific academic publications. A growing body of people who suggest that we are in a simulation, that we're actually part of a computer program, that our reality is not real. And I want to peel back some of the layers of this onion for you. Because I think to start with, you've got to note that these conversations only come about because we are in postmodern times. In postmodernism, there is no reality. Words themselves create reality. And because words themselves create reality, you can say up front that, well, there is no real reality. And from that, you can decide what is reality. And from that, you can decide, ah, must be a computer simulation. That's one issue here. Postmodernism and the denial of reality itself and putting all power into words allows stuff like this to fester. But this stuff was around before postmodernism really locked in. Now, if you want to know what it means to be in postmodern times, uh, postmodern times means everyone has their truth. You always talk about people and their my, my truth. That's a sign of postmodernism. Postmodernism believes that there is no objectivity and there is no real truth because there is no objectivity. Reality is defined by people's words and people wish to relate and relate uh, by emotion. They do not relate by uh, rational thinking. Everything is emotive. Everything is performative because reality is not real. You perform to shape your reality. And nobody really trusts anybody because there's no truth. So you trust people by building a relationship with certain people who you then give weight to their truth, which becomes your truth. So saying we're a computer program can become valid. 
But what is all of this? All of this really is about people trying to find their place in the world and explain their and your existence. And this goes back to the voice in our head. And there are so many people trying to connect these days. I, I saw last night, I was reading something last night, some actor, I can't remember who it was now, is trying to explore his spirituality. And so he's investigating Hinduism and meditating a lot, trying to explore and find his truth. People are trying to find their way in the world. And the one true path is the passe path, the Christian one, the God of all creation, the Judeo-Christian God. And I believe, by the way, my worldview is that is the path. That is, uh, you want real knowledge? There it is. It's not Gnostic. There's no hidden path forward to find it. It's just there for you to get. You can read the Bible and learn everything you need to know about God. But what's going on right now is in a in a very chaotic world in postmodern times, everybody's listening to that little voice. You know the voice. There's a voice in the back of your head too. If you're quiet and you listen, you, you give it some room to breathe, you hear the voice saying, why am I here? What is my purpose? If you're an atheist, you spend a lot of time either rationalizing that, that, well, there really is no purpose. It's just the, the, the verve of atoms colliding into atoms, mutating over time, creating carbon, creating uh, invertebrae, creating vertebrae, creating apes, creating man. It's all an accident of nature, and, and your life is rather meaningless. You die, the worms eat your body, and that's the end. When everybody forgets you, you cease to exist in any way, shape, or form. And then there's the the way that most people on the planet have believed forever. There's an afterlife of some kind. Uh, Christians don't believe that you are a soul and have a body, although some people sometimes say that you are a soul, you have a body. Actually, we believe in body and soul altogether. You are one thing, and it matters. And I think that is actually the best answer to the voice, the voice that asks why you're here. Kids Kids, even in, in atheist households, you know, a lot of kids, they, they go and they want to learn spirituality. And what I find is, is so interesting now is notice how people, they may be leaving Christianity, but they're not going to atheism. They're going out to find the religion of their choice. This, again, is part of postmodernism. They're trying to find their truth. They're trying to find what is best for them. They're creating their own God. John Calvin said the, uh, a man's heart is a perpetual factory of idols. People want to create their own God. We'll take a little of Christianity. We'll take a little of Judaism. We'll take a little of Hinduism. We'll take a little of Buddhism. We'll take a little of Zoroastrianism. We'll put it all together and we'll get our own little God, the one we create for ourselves. That's where people are. You hear about Christians deconstructing their faith, walking themselves out of the faith, so to speak. People are trying to find an answer to the question of why are you here? Now, the answer is the answer a lot of people don't want to hear. Our answer is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. The first answer to the first question of the catechism, what is the chief end of men? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. But that answer is too simple for people who want to find a simple answer to reality and make it too complex. I just, I'm, I'm fascinated by the rise of crystal shops and the rising again, pagan fascination and Wiccans and stuff. It's people who can't let go of religion. You know, there's no such thing as atheism. 
I mean, there are a lot of people who say they're atheists, but everybody worships something. Even the atheists worship something. The question is, what are you worshiping? And now we've got the people who want to believe we're in a computer simulation, which really takes all meaning itself from life and allows you to worship yourself in some capacity. But the answer is actually, when you hear the little voice, why are we here? The answer is because God made you and wants a relationship with you. And I will tell you, in my 40-some-odd years of existence, the only worldview that makes any sense at explaining every single thing happening in the world without contradiction is the worldview of Scripture. And unfortunately, a lot of people will spend a lot of effort and still never realize that's the case. Want to be on the show? Call Eric now at 877-97-ERIC. That's 877-973-7425. Hello and welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show. The phone number, 877-973-7425. Oh, I've debated whether or not I should even go there, but I am. Oh, yes, I am. Benjamin Hall has been seriously injured and is now hospitalized uh, and undergo serious treatment in Ukraine. Benjamin Hall is a war correspondent for Fox News. A number of British reporters have been shot um, critically. I believe some Reuters reporters were mowed down by the Russians. They barely survived, barely escaped with their lives. A reporter for Time has been killed and others uh, globally. We're seeing reporters die in Ukraine and we should be mindful of the people who are there to tell us the story. And it's one of my real aggravations. And by the way, I, I should say Brent Renaud, was the Time Magazine reporter killed. Uh, He was on assignment in Ukraine for a Time Studio project on the refugee crisis. And another journalist was wounded uh, with him, uh, and and by the Russian forces, by the way. This is one of my deep frustrations with a lot of the propaganda stuff. As I've noted, and I've said, and I think fairly, uh, the Ukrainians are winning the social media war, pushing stuff to us, not necessarily... Uh, all of it accurate, uh, building sympathies for them. But also it is true to say that a great many reporters are on the ground in Ukraine covering the story. I believe it was uh, the Fox News reporter, Benjamin Hall, who chimed in uh, on a Fox News report saying that uh, Americans' emotions are not being manipulated because of social media. It's because what they're seeing on the ground is being reported accurately, and it's that bad. And we should keep these people in our prayers and we should remember these people who are doing the work of journalists at a time of war to convey to a global public, many of whom are even skeptical that it's a real thing, that it is real and it is horrible. I've used the line and it comes, several people told me it came from the TV show MASH. I knew I'd heard it before. I hadn't seen MASH in years, but it was a line from one of the characters in MASH Uh, that war is worse than hell because everyone who goes to hell deserves to be there and a lot of the people in war don't. It's a horrible situation. Now, this is where I pivot and make some people mad. 
for the last number of years, a lot of young millennial and Gen Z reporters have acted like the war against them was in Washington, D.C. with Donald Trump. There are reporters who continue to need therapy and counseling because they were at the United States Capitol on January 6th. I don't want to downplay what happened on January 6th, but it was not Ukraine. There are reporters who are struggling to cope with life after Donald Trump, and they think he was somehow some particularly existential crisis. Donald Trump was not the Russians in Ukraine. And I just, I I think that maybe can a lot of people, and not just journalists, can a lot of people now need to grow up. Your petty little vanities and squabbling before all of this happened are now put in greater perspective uh, where uh, the world is a serious and dangerous place and there are people who mean you harm. And if they could invade your country, they just might. If they could bomb your country, they just might. And in fact, uh, 22 years ago, 21 years ago, We did see bombings in this country as planes flew into the World Trade Center. And somehow in the last 21 years, as a lot of our sailors, soldiers, airmen, and Marines went off to war, we here at home got complacent and happy and decided nothing bad's ever going to come again. Well, it wasn't because all of these people were over there putting their lives on the line. And a lot of reporters who've never had an antagonistic presidency— had an antagonistic presence. They're like, oh my gosh, this must be what war is like. No, what war is like is what's going on in Ukraine. What war is like is bad. And the insufferable smugness of reporters in Washington and New York who could bear no criticism, that all criticism of them was violence of some sort. No, real violence is what's happened to these reporters in Ukraine when the Russians targeted them because they were fairly and accurately depicting the hell of the war that the Russians were inflicting on the Ukrainians. It's time maybe to grow up. It's time maybe to realize life isn't fair. And it's time maybe to realize that just because Donald Trump said mean things about you and called you the enemy of the people that you really weren't in a war. You really weren't having the worst time ever. In fact, there are a whole hell of a lot of people who made a lot of money off of Donald Trump who I think are going to do everything they can in 2024 to get him back into the race and hopefully get the Republican nomination all while vilifying him, excoriating him, wishing he would go away and wishing he would he would lose. And yet they've made so much money they can't really afford for him to do that. And they're going to try to claim otherwise. But you and I will know the truth. They really want him because they want their money. The war pay that these correspondents are getting, it ain't worth it, and they're doing it. And they're doing the job of real journalists, telling us real truths. And they should be commended, and we should look at the whiners back home and realize, well, there is real reporting out there. We're just not getting a lot of it in the political corridors of Washington and New York, but we are getting a lot of it from Ukraine. I sleep well at night under bowl and branch sheets. And I need to tell you, my family, we were customers before I started endorsing them. It's what I like to do. I like to be familiar with the product and like it. And I love the bowl and branch sheets. One of the reasons I love them is because they are super soft sheets. (laughs) I got to say that word right. But 
they've got a little weight to them. So so you feel somewhat more snuggled. Like I've got some uh, sheets I, that came with the new mattress, and they're so light. It's like there's nothing on top of you, and I can't sleep well with them because they're. I mean, it's just. And then they bunch up the the man the satiny soft feel of the Bull and Branch sheets. It makes a real big difference. Listen, you've got so many options out there right now. You could go to a department store. You have so many options, but there's no reason to because with Bull and Branch you get high quality sheets. They've got a great thread count. They're perfect. They've got plenty of color options. You sleep well under them because they're soft and they're durable and they've got a little bit of weight, the perfect amount of weight for a sheet. Now, I want you to go out there and order Bolin Branch sheets because they are comfortable. You got, I mean, they're environmentally friendly. They're built around sustainability, and you got quality that lasts. You know, a lot of the companies that advertise all the environmentally friendly stuff, their sheets don't last. I can tell you, my bowl and branch sheets have lasted a long time, and they get softer over time. Experience the best sheets you've ever felt at bowlandbranch.com. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at checkout. That's bowlandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. The promo code Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, I got a, an email from listener Bob. Uh, he says, I listen to your show on most days. Enjoy 90% of your show. Sometimes you're way off base. Like today, talking about Tucker and Tulsi Gabbard. I watched the Senate hearing where an upper-level State Department woman, her name was Victoria Nyland, uh, confirmed that the U- Ukraine had biological laboratories that we are extremely concerned about the contents contained that were left over by the Russians. This is a fact, not some BS Romney spewing. Yes, they're right on that. The problem here, Bob, is that uh, Tulsi Gabbard and, to a degree, Tucker have taken it further, speculating on what are we doing there. Not not that the Russians want it. Everybody knows, and that's part of the concern of the biolabs, is we don't want the Russians to get their hands on this stuff uh, because the Russians do have a history of deploying chemical and biological weapons, including in Syria with chemical weapons. So, yeah, Tulsi Gabbard and Tucker Carlson are right. Yes, we have biolabs, except they're not our labs. As I've explained before, they're Ukrainian labs we assist with. And frankly, the Ukrainians are so corrupt. uh, We want to make sure that uh, we are there to help them, lest something go awry. The issue here is the next step. It's speculation that we're up to some nefarious purpose. And Tulsi Gabbard and others have raised the issue calling them bioweapons laboratories, not bio laboratories. They're not bioweapons laboratories. They used to be for the Soviets. We've wound down those things. So I think Romney is wrong in calling uh, her comments treasonous. But I do also think uh, there are some people who are overplaying what exactly the labs are uh, in an effort to advance an isolationist case that we shouldn't be there. And that's my concern. Um, But you can also agree to disagree with them without thinking they're causing treason, as Mitt Romney has said. And we throw around the word treason too much in enemies and evil and stuff like that. Uh, The number of people who tell me all these other people are evil, they're called sinners, and you're one too, just in a different way. Now, There is other news that I need to get into, and it goes back to what I was talking about in the first hour with Joe Biden disrupting conversations in the world. So 
One of the things that we have going for us as a nation is we are the world's reserve currency. The entirety of the world has its reserve currency in dollars. Now, what does that mean? Well, a lot of countries, including China for that matter, tie their currency exchange rates to what the dollar is. They rise and fall based on the dollar. And they stockpile dollars. And it is widely agreed that dollars are the currency of transmission and foreign exchanges. So, for example, if anyone in the world wants to buy a barrel of oil, you got to follow along with me here because this is a little bit complex. It's like, man, now, the, the you know, it's like my wife. If I give my wife, like, a, what's 2,387,225 plus 987,000? Uh, she has no idea, but if I put a dollar sign in front of both of them, boom, it's just magic calculator. Women are good at this when you deal with dollar signs, and I don't know what it is. My wife, uh, she can't figure out a calculus equation, but you turn it into dollars and cents, and by God, she's got it immediately. Me, I went to law school so I could avoid this stuff. But you got to follow along with me here, men. You can buy a barrel of oil in yen in yuan, in rubles, in durhams, in fills, in pounds, in euros, you name it. But all of them are based on the dollar and the exchange rate with the dollar. So if a barrel of oil is $100 a barrel, if, if, if a barrel of Brent crude oil, that's, that's the European standard. We use West Texas crude. They use the Brent oil standard. But the, even the Brent oil standard is in dollars per barrel of oil, not in pounds, not in euros. When you hear it in pounds and euros, they're actually converting from the dollar rate. Why? Because the world's your reserve currency is the American currency. So anywhere in the world you buy a barrel of oil, you can buy it in local currency, but it's based on a price for a barrel of oil that's always fixed to dollars because we're the world reserve currency. China and Saudi Arabia are going to build an oil refinery in, in China. Aramco, which is the Saudi oil company, is going to build the oil refinery for the Chinese because the Chinese do not have the expertise to do it, and the Saudis do. They're going to build the oil refinery to process Russian oil, which will flow to China through a to-be-constructed pipeline. And the price of that barrel of oil will be decided based on the Chinese currency, not the American currency. So in China, you will be able to buy a barrel of oil based on the Chinese currency not based on the dollar currency, but now there is a catch here. Even the Chinese currency is tied to the dollar in terms of how it's valued. But this allows the Chinese to get away from that. Now, you should know there is a story in the Wall Street Journal today that uh, President Xi of China does not actually have things as locked down in China as he thinks. So uh, what's his name? Uh, Ding Xiaoping. Ding Xiao, I love saying the name. Ding Xiaoping. Ding Xiaoping was the leader of China during the 1980s, uh, the, the 70s into the 80s, and he set term limits on the premier of China. And so we've had a series of Chinese leaders who were term limited, 
And Xi Jinping, the current president, wants to get rid of the term limits. He wants to be dictator for life like Mao was. And things had been smooth sailing for him, except the Chinese economy is going into the toilet. And even the Chinese, the totalitarian, authoritarian Chinese, even they are starting to rebel against Xi Jinping's COVID protocols. He's shutting down entire cities. He's shutting down entire corporations. Uh, the, the Sinovax is even less effective against the Omicron variant than all the other, um, all the other vaccines. And the Chinese are starting to think this is bad for our economy. So he doesn't have things as locked down as he should. And also, you know, this intelligence leak from the United States. There are a couple of things here with the intelligence leak you got to remember. You know, okay, if you're in school and you've got a gossiper among the kids, you know, the gossips, the gossips, gossiping to sin. We all do it. Man, I heard some gossip today. Actually did, but nonetheless. You got the kid in school who's the gossiper. Eventually, if the kid keeps telling you all the gossip, eventually you're going to figure out who the source of the gossip is from. I mean, if the kid's got the good dirt, you know it's one of the teachers talking to the kid. Now, which of the teachers would know this sort of stuff? You go figure it out. You got the gossips. You can figure it out. The same thing's happening in Russia. We are just leaking every bit of intelligence we know. Hey, we know, we know Putin's going to invade. We know that Putin is going to pretend to move troops around, so it looks like he's not going to invade Ukraine, and that's all a ruse. Don't believe him. I mean, we're, we're, we're announcing everything we know. At some point, the Russians are going to figure out who our human intelligence is in Russia. That may be one of the reasons that the head of the uh, FSB, the, the, predecessor, or the successor to the KGB, was arrested. I mean, even the Ukrainians were like, hey, the FSB is leaking to us the assassination plots on Zelensky. Well, now we are leaking that the Russians have asked the Chinese for support. They want uh, MREs, mules for the troops. They want weapons systems. They want all this stuff. It's put China in a difficult position because we know the Chinese were receptive to it. The U.S. is advising allies that the Chinese were receptive. Now, here is the secret that I hear from a lot of people. We don't actually have a lot of great human intelligence within China. The Chinese have an impressive amount within the United States, but we don't have a ton of pushback uh, from, from spies around the world. We don't have lots of human intelligence. We don't have lots of information from the Chinese networks, but we apparently have really good stuff from the Russians. My gosh, do we have good stuff from the Russians? I mean, you, you can get like the secret formula for like Russian vodka from the Russian sources. We got so many great sources, of Russia, but we're not going to because we keep announcing to the world the stuff we're getting. At some point, they're going to figure out who the, who the leaks are from. But for now, we know that China is willing to help. Now, this is actually problematic for China. And it's problematic for Xi Jinping because he really wants an alliance with Russia. He really wants to reshape the world order to favor illiberal democracies. You know, I mean, China thinks it's a democracy. It has votes. There's only one political party you could vote for, mind you, but you can still vote. It's technically a democracy. And they want the world order shaped in their 
image. Now, the problem here is that uh, Xi Jinping is actually beholden to the Chinese Communist Party. And he's done his his best. You know how like uh, Baptist preachers and a lot of congregational churches, they'll stack the deacon pool. Over time, you give a preacher enough wiggle room in a, in a lot of congregational churches that are congregational, they're going to get the deacons they want to keep them in power. They are. I mean, the, the, the wise pastor is the one who le- stays out of the church politics. But a lot of pastors and a lot of churches, particularly when the pastor founds the church, he handpicks the deacons so they can never do anything to him. That's what Xi Jinping has been doing. He's like a, a communist Baptist preacher. In a, in a mega church, he's picking the deacons who are going to make sure he stays in power. But even they have problems with the Russians. See, up until the 1970s, the Russians and the Chinese were fighting border wars. They still have unsettled border disputes. You, you, okay, so you go into a map. Like, look at India, look at China, and look at Russia. Look where all they, they intersect on the map. There's a bunch of dotted lines those are the the territorial borders where, well, things are a little more nebulous than they might claim. Indian and um, and China in particular have all sorts of these issues, but the Russians and the Chinese they they got some border issues that have never really been resolved, and the result of this is you got some longstanding tense animosities. And those animosities have played out for decades. So as much as Xi Jinping wants an alliance with the Russians, he's got a lot of people within China who they don't like the Russians. They don't like them. And you've got a lot of people in Russia who don't like the Chinese. And they remember the old history, back to the Mongol invasions. Oh, they do. People there, my gosh, they still to this day hold on to that sort of stuff. And then you've got the younger people in Moscow and St. Petersburg. And those are Western hipsters on Instagram. And now they can't get on Instagram. It's not a good setup. It's problematic. They've got histories they have to deal with. History always has a way of biting people in the butt because they forget it and they forget the historic tensions and animosities that don't go away. It's like earlier, uh, Jeff Foxworthy was at our office earlier, and he was talking about Georgia and Georgia Tech. Now, you got college football rivalries, and then you've got the Georgia-Georgia Tech rivalry. When they play, do you know what it's called? Do you know what the game is called? Clean old-fashioned hate. They hate each other, Georgia and Georgia Tech. And... It's like, to some degree, some of the histories you've got, like the Pakistanis and the Indians. Man, that's not clean old-fashioned hate. That's dirty old-fashioned hate. They're ruthless with each other. But some of the Russians, some of the Chinese are the same way. And you've got these communist overlords who think they can override that. You can't override history. History is like the democracy of the dead. you got all the, all the dead people for generation after generation. They put things in order the way they are, and they passed it down to their grandkids. Like I remember when I was a kid. I wanted to go to Disney World, and there was a place I wanted to go eat, but it was in Norway. Well, I'm Swedish, and I was very upset I couldn't go to Norway in, in Disney. They didn't have a Sweden, and I couldn't go to the Norway and betray my family to this day. I mean, nobody wants to go to Norway. Sweden's awesome. Norway's pickled herring. It's the same thing with all these people. 
History has a way of locking people in. You could say to prejudice, you could say to bigotry, history has a way of locking people in to their vices. Now, some of you may have vices that cause stinky odor in your house. I know how to get rid of it. In your rental car, in your hotel room, the musty, smelly odors, the bacteria, the mildew, the mold, the pollen, I can get rid of those too with the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. It is a great very portable air purifier, and right now you can get three of them, one for upstairs, one for downstairs, one for your basement or your RV or your rental car. Keep one in your hotel suitcase like I do, so when you're traveling and the hotel stinks, you got to cover the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. You can get three of them for less than $200. That's actually a $200 savings, and you get free shipping. What you do is you go to EdenPureDeals.com, and you'll see the discount code box on the front page of that website. You put in ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3, and you'll see the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. And you will move to um, you will you'll move into the checkout box if it doesn't carry over the discount. You'll see the discount code box. Put in Eric three again, E R I C K three, and you will get two hundred dollars off for three Eden Pure Thunderstorms. You'll get all three of them for less than two hundred dollars. And miracle of miracles, you'll get free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com discount code Eric three. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be a part of this here program, uh, welcome again to WMAY in Springfield, Illinois. Glad to have you a part of the, of the, the show. And happy birthday to WSB, where I got to go to their little party before the show started. I got to see Jeff Foxworthy from afar. I don't know if he knows who I am. He, or maybe he doesn't remember. His wife likes me. <laughs> but nonetheless, here we are back at it. I got to play you uh, this clip from David Ignatius. He was on Morning Joe this morning talking about this Chinese situation. We don't know about what happened, but we do know what the Chinese said in the statement that they released afterwards. And it was it was fascinating. I'm just going to read you a few excerpts from it. Uh, the Chinese said the situation today in Ukraine has reached a stage that the Chinese side does not want to see. And then the Chinese went on to repeat their line, which is that they oppose uh, violation of, of sovereignty and territorial boundaries. In other words, they were clearly in this statement distancing themselves from Russia. And I thought that was really significant after, after the meeting with Saul. And the Chinese are not comfortable uh, seeming to be Russia's only international support. They see that this war is going badly with Russia in a sense. They don't go, want to go down with the Russians. And you know what? One thing that Ukraine is teaching me is that it would be a lot harder for China to take Taiwan than I would have thought a few weeks ago. And Taiwan is across a strait. You know, Ukraine is a big flat plain. You roll tanks in. Uh, Taiwan is even harder. So I wonder if the Chinese aren't thinking to themselves. Russia is demonstrating the West is more together than we thought. They're going to be a harder adversary. And taking a capital that wants to resist you, as Taiwan would want to resist Chinese forces, is going to be harder than we thought. I don't, you know, yeah, Taiwan's across the, the Pacific Ocean, the Straits, but also I don't know that the Chinese really care. 
I mean, this is kind of the the thing that gets me about a lot of the, the punditry out there right now. This The Russians clearly do not care what we think. The Russians do not care. The Chinese, I don't think they care. If they want to take Taiwan, remember the Chinese have gotten it. So out of like 198 countries on planet Earth, only like 15 even recognize Taiwan as a nation. So they'll say, oh, we're just taking back some territory from the rebels finally. Uh, if they nuke it, you know what, what the Chinese solution has been for years, going back to Mao, Mao Zedong, is we'll just nuke everyone because if everyone nukes us, we got a billion people. We'll have more survivors than them. This has literally been part of the strategic thinking of China since the 1970s. It's 2022. Things are still crazy. Things haven't settled down. And now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates. you got the economy. you got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher. You see an opportunity where banks, they don't even want to see you. You want to buy a building, you want to build a building, reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the 1990s. They want to help you if they can. So spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for you. Their website is firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. Again, you need a loan, $750,000 or higher. You're a small business and you see an opportunity to grow. Share it with the Frost family and see if they can help you. Firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. First Liberty Building and Loan can help businesses nationwide become bigger businesses.